It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast on a Tuesday. Joe Goodberry coming up in 60 seconds. I'm James Rapine on Twitter at James Rapine at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe on Megaphone, the iHeartRadio app, and iTunes. That's Apple Podcast. And as always, every podcast posted on LockedOnBengals.com. I wrote about 10 different head coaching candidates. If you've missed it, I've tweeted it out a bunch of times. Um, so you've probably read it. If not, that's on LockedOnBengals.com. John Ross' video is on LockedOnBengals.com as well, which is something I will mention to Joe Goodberry. Joe, as always, on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry, joins us every week for our weekly Bengals film review. Something tells me we're not going to dive in deep into the film uh, of that Vikings beatdown of the Bengals, but uh, Joe is still with us. And uh, he's on with us now. Joe, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, James. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, there's so much to dive into. Um, I didn't think about this. <laughs> so the, the game's about to start, and I was so wrapped up in the Marvin stuff, I didn't think about how it would affect the team. Because I, I, I figured they would lose anyway. Do, does that affect the team, you think? You think that they were – because they look just like they did against Chicago, and very rarely do they follow up one awful game with another. If they're like, you know, most of us, yeah, it affects you because it gives you something to, you know, think about other than just a game, just a situation, just a particular play. Because, and we talked about this before, because I think you and I and, and other people have felt this was coming for the past month, uh, you know, so I bet the players did too. And it kind of just confirmed it rather than, you know, break news. I think for a lot of people, it wasn't breaking news. It was, it was a confirmation of what we expected. So for the players, um, you know, if any of them were hoping, having hope that the same coaching staff would be there, some of the, you know, coaches that they like would be there, that kind of gets thrown out of the window. And I, you can feel it. I mean, just watching it on the game, I think it, they're trying to just get done with the season. And, and Marvin keeps saying they're not, but then you watch that two-minute play calling a be right before halftime and it's always been what Marvin has done but it's not very aggressive it's not like they're trying to win they're just going through the motions and and trying to run out the clock and get to halftime and it's okay so I guess we're just here to to get to 2018 at this point it's crazy to me that and, and I, I called it a clown show and I I made fun of him yesterday uh because Marvin and Mike Brown could have came out and it made this public two weeks ago after the Pittsburgh loss, yeah, by the way, I'm not returning next year. I just want to make it known. I've already hit, talked to the players. That's it. And instead, it hangs over the team, and it does this, and it blows up, and Mike Brown gets the report, uh, according to, to people close with the team, the same time we did. I mean, <laughs> that's just it, – it's a clown show. It's been handled awful, and now you know what's going to happen, Joe, is people are going to look back on Marvin Lewis Aaron, all the good stuff he did, they're going to remember the past two years in the, the final four and a half games where he probably doesn't win any of them and gets beat down by the Steelers and Mike Zimmer, and it just peters out, and that's not how it was supposed to end. 
and you know I'm a big comic book fan, and I said this during the day I tweeted it out, but the quote from The Dark Knight, when they say, um, yep. you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Mm-hmm. And that's Marvin Lewis. And it shouldn't have been that way. You're right. It, it, you know, had it have gone, it probably should have ended after 2010 before the, the, the lockout shortened year of 2011. Um, that was the year Carson decided, Carson Palmer decided to, to demand his, his trade and retirement. Um, it could have ended after 2015. And I, I think, we probably would have been down after both of those years in similar ways, but you kept going with it and you kept driving with a flat tire and all you did was ruin the car because of it. And you ruined a lot of good rosters. Honestly, you look back at it and we're going to look back at the Marvin Lewis era, mostly fondly and say, man, this is, this is quality football is entertaining football. Yeah. They didn't win anything of substance. Um, they wasted a lot of talent. And that's what I keep coming back to is they had at, at different times over the 15 years, some of the most talented teams in the roster, some of the best all around coaching staffs in the roster too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of bad coaches out there that were on the staff and they couldn't get it done. And not only could they couldn't get it done, they were historically bad in big situations and they kept going with it and kept pushing it and kept forcing it. And, it's a shame because in a, a franchise that has never won the Super Bowl and, you know, how badly fans and how crazy fans would go if they actually did it or actually even made a run in the playoffs. You know, I think the city would go nuts to think that they ruined good opportunities to actually do it and actually get over the hump. Um, it's inexcusable. And, and honestly, I don't know how long it'll take for us to let them down from it. He's Joe Goodberry. Give him a follow on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Great to have you in on a Tuesday. It's, God, there's there's just so much that influx of this organization because, yeah, they're going to move on from Marvin and Marvin's going to move on from them and maybe he goes elsewhere and has, has success. Whatever, that's fine. But it's time regardless. I just don't know if I trust Mike Brown to find the right guy. I hope so. He's made decisions before that I agreed with. I was a little surprised that he fired Ken Zampezi after two games, five days into the year. (laughs) You know, I I was, and yet he did that. I was surprised that he was going to be willing to trade A.J. McCarron to Cleveland, and he did that. So Mike Brown's, he's that type of guy where you don't know what to expect, and I think, uh, I know Cincinnati.com came out with one. I obviously mentioned I wrote one for Locked on Bengals, like, we're trying to predict what Mike Brown's going to do as far as the next head coach goes, and I don't think anyone has a damn clue. Yeah, you're right. And that's scary, um, but but it's also <laughs> like, ooh, this could be good. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. And we have expectations, and we put, oh, they'll never trade this guy, or they'll never do this, they'll never do that. And, like, 90% of the time that's true. So I guess is it a true statement every time? you could pass it off as that, but that other one time that they do it and they trade somebody or they, they move up in the draft or or trade back in the draft, if you will. um, Or you hear they explored trade opportunities or they called this big free agent and just to test the waters, whatever little, you know, things have happened, especially over the last, not maybe over the entire 15 years of Marvin Lewis, but it seemed like more and more Mike Brown got aggressive. Um, You know, and when the time was right, it seemed like, uh, and maybe that he feels that now. I don't know what it is. You know, it's hard because you never really get an inside look at his perspective or what he's thinking at the time. And maybe he's thinking, I'm only going to do this for a few more years. And we have a decent roster. 
uh, we have an opportunity with the AFC. You know, I think the AFC is pretty much open. Uh, you got the Steelers and the and the uh, the Patriots at the top, but mm-hmm. those quarterbacks are getting older, and and in a matter of a year or two or three, this is wide open again. And you know, you could probably get yourself in position to make one last run for this. I think that requires getting a good coach in here and getting the right coach. And I said this the other day on Twitter too. With this franchise, because they're not the biggest spenders, they don't have the biggest scouting department, they don't have the biggest pro personnel department, they do what they do, and they've been mildly successful at it. I think they need to hit the jackpot at either head coach or quarterback. Mm -hmm. And if they're keeping keeping Dalton, then we know what we have there. But you are pretty much just taking a lottery ticket on these coaches. It's hard to tell from a per, from a uh, an assistant position at another team. Uh, you know, if you say, okay, the Sean McVay for the Redskins, if you would have asked me last year, I couldn't have told you anything about Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. And now he looks like a really good coach. If you would have asked me about Sean McDermott from the Panthers, who goes to the Bills, has them in a, in a playoff spot or in line right now, um, I couldn't have told you anything about them. And a lot of times people ask us, well, who do you want as a coach? I can give the big names, but honestly, I don't know. For all we know, Mike Brown interviews and likes – um, some coordinator from Tennessee and, and makes him the head coach, and we're going to freak out because we don't know who he is. But it's really you really don't know, and it, a lot of a lot of head coach goes on behind the scenes. A lot of times they're not calling the plays on offense or defense; they're putting people in position to call the plays to to make the plays. And you know, game management I think falls on head coaching a lot, and it's just something we don't see from an assistant. So I think we're just going to obviously we have to just take whatever decisions made here. I, I think we're all just hoping for the best. And hoping for a name we know. Yeah, let me uh, let me run some names by you because that's fun. Um, let, let's start with a popular one among every fan base. He's a really good, well-established coach. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's coming off of some great years in uh, Los Angeles and St. Louis before that. Jeff Fisher. You're messing with me now. Um, <laughs> that would not be good. <laughs> I think that's the worst-case scenario. Yeah. Him, him and Marvin are so similar, so similar. I mean, Marvin's better. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Marvin's better. Marvin never had a guy like Steve McNair and Eddie George. That's maybe true, but Marvin did have Carson Palmer, and they could have won a Super Bowl with him, right? McNair did win an MVP, but Carson was right there in 2005. Um, I don't know, man. I, I would. That's like my worst case scenario because I want somebody I, out of all the coaches. I want somebody forward thinking. I'd like a young guy. I'd like a guy that's aggressive and passionate and, and detail oriented and holds, and holds these guys accountable um, for anything. And I don't see that with Fisher. If you look at Fisher and, and, and Marvin, and that's why I say they're so similar because they derail the talent on their teams. They, they make them worse, not better. And for, for the Bengals, I, I've been reflecting on that the last few days and really the last few weeks. And I even said to someone, I, I, uh, I don't know if we've seen the best version of A.J. Green over seven years. I have, has Marvin maximized most of his talent? Maybe no. a couple guys. But, but most of these guys have played below our expectations or what you saw as a, as a prospect. You know, I, I think I'm decently good at watching prospects and knowing what their talent is and how they should translate to the NFL. And, like, I watched Giovanni Bernard, and he's the exact same guy he was, which is okay but he never got better. He never got, you know, he never turned into something more. Most of these guys don't. If anything, you get a Tyler Boyd, and all of a sudden they can't figure out how to use him the exact way he was used in college or even that first year. It's just there's so many guys that they bring in and are just, that's who they are. They don't get much better or much worse. 
And it kind of gives you some hope for Andy Dalton if they do stay with him and they get a quarterback whisperer, if you will, uh, in here, and maybe they can get maximum production out of him like they did in 2015. Uh, But I just look across the board and I say a lot of these guys should be a little bit better or more productive than they've been under Marvin Lewis. What about um, a guy I'm familiar with just because I went to UC and he led the Bearcats, but just getting your perspective, and you might not know much about him, but Brian Kelly, I've tossed his name out there. You know much about him? Only from what I see on TV, and he kind of seems like a jerk. But <laughs> a lot of people react that way. That. A lot of people are yeah. like, oh, he can't. My, my argument with that is, of course, he's going to have to change some of what he does in the NFL. <laughs> that's that's going to have to change. Every coach does that when they come from the college to the NFL. You know, you're not talking to kids anymore. You're talking to grown men that may make more than you. And um, it's, I'm sure it's completely different. And you just can't go out there screaming like a nut all the time. Uh, so, you know, as far as that goes, again, I, I don't know. I, I think it would be an interesting. I think there's some college coaches I would take for sure. Um, Chris Peterson in Washington. I, I You know, I, I'd be interested in Lane Kiffin. But He just signed a yeah, 10-year made, deal. I know, I did just see that this morning. And so that kind of buries that. But just saying that, I would be interested in them making a move into the college just Mm -hmm. because I feel like that would be an aggressive, forward-thinking, we want to be on the cutting edge of offense, uh, you know, or or scheme. And and I think that's where you got to go. When you watch college on Saturday and go directly to Sunday football, um, what they're doing in college, man, is – so much easier on the players, and, and yeah, that that should happen with the talent level and and the skill gap. But how they help guys get get open, how they help quarterbacks, all of that stuff ends up filtering into the NFL within a year or two years, and you see it slowly transition there. But it seems like the cutting edge is always in college, and then the NFL picks and chooses what they think will work, which makes sense. But it just takes the NFL so much longer. I want to be, you know, the team that's. Chip Kelly didn't work out, but if the Bengals were the ones calling Chip Kelly and getting him, uh, you know, a couple years ago, I would have been all for that because I like that idea. Whether it works or not, I'm not sure because, like I said, it's hard to tell from our seat. But the idea of it is what we're basically going to base this hiring on. Yeah, and the interesting thing about that, about pulling a coach, like because people mention Chip Kelly, but like look at his quarterbacks. He had old Michael Vick, Nick Foles, who he got the absolute most out of. And then Colin Kaepernick, who's not in the league anymore, for better or worse, but obviously he's not like a high-end starter. Like Nick Saban flamed out because they they signed Dante Culpepper in Miami. Like I think some of the best college or the best football coaches are in college, and they they'd be walking into. I call him Blandy Dalton for a reason, but at least he's stable. At least he he's a guy you you could rely on and say, all right, that's our worst case. We have Andy Dalton. We could go find better. But but I'm going to walk into a quarterback that's capable of keeping my job alive, and you know I'm not going to get fired because I can't get quarterback right. And so much of this hiring is going to be in relation uh, to Andy Dalton because are you going to get somebody that wants their own quarterback, or are you looking for somebody that says I can make Andy Dalton the best version of Andy Dalton I can? And in any case, the idea and. and you know, look around the NFL. If your quarterback plays well, you have a chance to win every single week. And you have a chance, if your quarterback plays better than the other guy, to win against very good teams. So whatever direction you take with this, it, it's the idea. It has to be, how do we get the best performance at quarterback possible? And that may include Dalton. It may include somebody else or a rookie. Uh, but still, the point remains, I want an offensive guy for that. Because I want them to come in and say, 
my offensive scheme works. I know I can help this guy. Look at look at what the Eagles and the Rams have done with their two quarterbacks. And Wentz wasn't that good last year. Goff was really poor last year. But the Eagles in particular, they've got a lot of former quarterbacks on that on that coaching staff. I mean, I think the coach, the coordinator, and the quarterbacks coach are all former quarterbacks. They know what to do. They're surrounding them with the vision through the eyes of a quarterback, and and they know how to get Wentz to play to the to his fullest ability. Sean McVay completely. You can tell. You the more they keep going and we'll keep winning, we keep getting inside reports and and stories done on McVay and how he's in Goff's headset up until 15 seconds. That's when the radio cuts off in the in the helmet. But he's helping them go through the plays pre-snap and showing them. You know, oh, we'll look for this. They're going to cover two. You may want to switch to this or whatever the case may be. That's. That's forward thinking. That's mm-hmm. stuff where every coach isn't doing. You know, I want that. I want that idea that we're going to be ahead of whoever else is out there. He's Joe Goodberry. I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. Joe's on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, and Megaphone. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joe, let's transition now to Andy Dalton because I'm going to, spoiler alert, I'm going to write something saying, explaining why I would gauge the market. I would consider trading Andy Dalton. I would certainly, regardless of whether you keep him or not, keep uh, an eye on all these quarterbacks throughout the draft process, and I would be drafting one. i book that. That would happen. But to me... And I wouldn't give him away. I'm not giving up Andy Dalton for a third-round pick or, or offering him up to you know, just handing him to the team. But I think you could get potentially a first-round pick. I think if you get a team desperate, like we've seen what happens when teams get desperate. First and second-round picks for Carson Palmer. Second and third-round picks for A.J. McCarron. Like Cleveland, that was done. That was about to happen. So to me, if you're the Bengals, you at least gauge interest because if you could get a first and more as I floated out there on Twitter, it's something you have to take if it's if, if it's in return for Andy Dalton. I think even the hardest Dalton defenders uh, would consider a first-round pick for him. And you have to look at his age. Um, are they rebuilding completely? And that's very possible. Uh, is the Super Bowl window open now? Uh, all questions. And if, you know, at 30 years old, uh, I think it would be 31 next season, too. Uh, well, how many years? You know, this is – it's it's – it's solid, okay production, but it's not ever. And we've we've rammed this conversation in the wall with with Dalton and, and who he is. We understand who he is. We're okay with who he is. Mm-hmm. If you have a fantastic roster around them, they do not have that. And we don't know the coaching staff, so that's another you know block that'll be placed in there down the line in a couple months. But you know, just with Dalton and his value, I think you could probably get a late first for him. Uh, the hard part is most teams that need a quarterback are picking top 12, top 14 in that range. And I don't think they're going to give up, uh, you know, good, good resources like that for Andy Dalton. Now, if the top quarterbacks go in that first, you know, six picks and those guys, those teams are left uh, empty handed. Yeah. That's when, that's when interest starts to drum up. 
that's when you're back in the second round pick, uh, you know, a high second. Maybe you get two seconds for him. Maybe it's a second and a conditional pick, a first next year, whatever the case may be. Um, I think even Dalton defenders would, would consider that because we may be rebuilding from the ground up, coach and quarterback. If you want to change a franchise in the direction they're heading, uh, whether it's a perennial loser or a team like the Bengals who, have, who haven't been able to, to, to get over the hump, a lot of times the change is that head coach, head coach and quarterback all in the same year. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to see if they'll go with that route because I think that's the direct change to, to completely, completely altering your franchise's direction. That's Joe Goodberry. He's on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. This, that's going to do it for the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'll be on tomorrow. And we'll be back at it as we are every single day. LockedOnBengals.com. Subscribe on iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, Megaphone, and wherever you find podcasts. The reason for this podcast simple. Give you an in-depth, behind-the-scenes look at Cincinnati Bengals football. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be in the locker room tomorrow so you'll get audio from the players. Player audio. And uh, we'll be back at it with a bunch more. I will write... My Andy Dalton piece, I'm hoping to tonight. And uh, until tomorrow, I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.